If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 387 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Carlos Valerian of Irish Mixed Martial Arts Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a big, big weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, lots of fights to talk about, lots of fights next week as well uh, to talk about, and, and one or two other things as well. So we'll get into all of that. First, we must tell you that our friends at Manscaped are taking over Ireland just in time for the holidays or life-changing hygiene products are now in all Tesco retail stores. It's also time for fresh ball of fall. It's a season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping arters in the fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. Make sure to swing by and pick up their signature lawnmower 4.0, the brilliant uh, ball trimmer to bless the mother. And join the 6 million minutes worldwide who trust manscaped by swinging by tesco ireland or you can go to manscaped.com and get 20 percent off with free shipping using the promo code severe mma uh, as everyone knows at this stage myself and graham manscaped has been part of this podcast and uh part of uh, our uh, hygiene routine i suppose for for a, a long long time now i actually uh, i had the ear and nose hair trimmer which we'll talk about here in a second i completely lost it <laughs> i was like where is it i was cleaning the other day and i found it i was like it's absolutely brilliant so uh, yeah definitely use one of them but uh, you heard it here first about manscaped taking over ireland whether you're brand new already use manscaped you could use the crown jewel of care for your family jewels that lawnmower i was talking about Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving your uh, shaving your favorite time in the bathroom. Min, you've only been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your fa- if you've only been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. The lawnmower 4.0 features proprietary advances uh, advanced proprietary advanced skin safe technology just you think i'd know it by now to protect your delicate parts it's also waterproof so you can keep escaping even as the weather's changing did i mention wireless charging the new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction which can help battery lint last longer while we're on the topic of light changer products uh you can forget about manscapes well you can't even forget about manscapes uh weed uh whacker ear and nose hair trimmer that was the one i was talking about uh, the weed whacker is also also waterproof and provides a, a proprietary advanced Kinsev technology nailed at that time, uh, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate uh, nose holes. Make sure to swing by Tesco and pick up these products yourself, your fa- for yourself, your father, your brother, or even your grandpa. Uh, everyone needs a trim, and what better time to start fall with the leaves coming off the branch? 
Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SEVERMED. That's, lads, you couldn't ask for better than that. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code SEVERMED. Stop acting the maggot and get a grip with Manscaped. Now available also in Tesco, Ireland. Right, Graham, uh, let's get into it. I, I, I really, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I really don't know where to start this week. It was... Uh, it was certainly one of those weekends in the world of, of mixed martial arts, and it's been a few. I saw someone tweeting the other day that the, the meta for MMA has been sent to injury-ending fights, and it feels like over the last while with the, the John Linder Kawan in one championship and this one, and we had a spate of them as well not too long ago where it was just like injuries and injuries, and someone was asking me a question on the Q&A about who's the next person going to break a bone in a fight, and I'm like, that's not a very nice question to be asking now, is it? But it became like such a thing i suppose that uh it, it's it, it's becoming an issue in mma and maybe we'll talk about that before we actually get into the fights or anything because mma is a, you know <laughs> to, to see the phrase mma is a tough fucking sport and just to be able to get through you know we talk about it the odd time you we talked about it last week funnily enough with sean o'malley before the fight and my pick was was yan based on the fact that i thought o'malley mightn't survive it if yan brought a, you know a really tough fight and landed lots of shots and was maybe dominating for a while now did that didn't turn out to be that way but it's Maybe a thing we need to actually talk about more that like we can break down the ability of fighter A versus the ability of fighter B, but the ability of fighter A or fighter B to actually survive the fight and get through it is is a massive thing. Like even you saw Calvin Cater and, and Arnold Allen last night. Like Allen was winning the fight and was kind of forcing Cater to do different things. Maybe we'll get into the specifics of, of that more in a second. But he kind of like he jumped up to try to throw like a desperation flying knee and fell on his leg fell on his uh, on his knee and, and seemingly you know hurt it really badly and it's just things like that like uh, you know with the calf kicks now coming in checking more calf kicks more leg injuries it's it, it's a tough tough sport it really is a tough sport I know Graham you've watched a lot of sparring and different things like the, the small niggly injuries happening I suppose ha- happen all the time but also like big injuries like this when it comes to big massive important fights seem like they're happening more and more and you know what it probably shouldn't be shocking should it yeah well I think you know it's, it's happening kind of behind the scenes all the time there's like shoulder injuries knee injuries elbow injury you know all sorts of fucking injuries going on rib injuries just like little tw- little niggles as well like sw- swelling stuff like that but a lot of the time, the guys just kind of tough it out or like lay off that during the camp and try to do other things and get through it. And you see them after the fight to maybe get a surgery or something. Um, so I, I, I don't know why at, at the moment it seems to be coming out in big fights that people seem to be not able to continue or or dramatically compromised due to due to an injury in the fight that maybe they they probably were carrying throughout the throughout the camp. I, I just think it's a bit of I don't know bad bad luck or just a coincidence that it seems to be happening more because like kind of like I was saying with TJ Delisha last week it's easy afterwards to say oh look he obviously wasn't going to last but you know I say he's come into into fights over the years with similarly bad injuries uh, and got through it you know so in their in their mind they can always get through it and they're always going to give it a go but obviously it's disappointing for the fans when it seems to seems to be a trend now of of, uh, big fights kind of falling or not falling apart but um kind of the enjoyment being taken away uh, to some extent due to due to injuries but uh, I don't know did it say when it rains it pours I suppose we I think it was 
what, about five years ago, the UFC had like every single fucking pay-per-view main event of the year fall out and yeah. loads of fights fall out and all that stuff. And then for a couple of years, it didn't seem to happen all that often. I don't know what the reason is. I think it's just more dumb luck than anything. I don't know. Uh, myself and Harry have talked about this in Speaker's Corner before. Uh, briefly, I suppose, about like the need to become as well-rounded as as godly possible i suppose to be able to fight at this top level like even watching the main event last night bisping was talking about arnold allen i can't say arnold arnold allen and um he was talking about like he arnold he, <laughs> arnold I'll, yeah, I'll go that way from now on. he was like he has no parts of his game missing which is something, right? If, if you think about that, right? You've no parts of your game missing. So you're very good at wrestling, jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing. And Dominic Cruz is always talking about his, uh, his strength and conditioning and his cardio. If you, if you are really good and are not uh, falling down in any of those areas, the amount of work that you need to put in, not only to become really good at those areas, but to upkeep how good you are to stay at the very, very top is is gargantuan. Like, it's really insane. Because if you look at it, say, in boxing, right, you could spend 10 years becoming, like, a fantastic boxer and becoming, like, the best boxer in the world. And I, no, I'm not saying it's that easy, but you get what I mean. You have a really good trainer. You're very athletic. You take to it. You get the right experience. You go to right, You can become great. And then to prepare for fights, you... Uh, hone that greatness maybe you'll make little adjustments or little improvements and you get your strength and conditioning up right and you, that that's like a preparation of very kind of easy margins I suppose while not being easy you know to, to prepare and to be in the right shape it takes a lot but if you're preparing for an MMA fight you not only have to upkeep what you already have, you also have to kind of learn the improvements that are there in jiu-jitsu, in wrestling, when it comes into the jiu-jitsu and how that's changing as well. In the, uh, you know, the, the addition of leg kicks over the last while and calf kicks um, more uh, more correctly, I suppose, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We always say with an MMA, you're watching it and something happens, uh, a new technique, and then everyone's using that same technique for the next few weeks. You have to kind of learn that as well and go on it while doing your shrink and conditioning, while staying fit. It's just impossible like MMA we, we you know we've always kind of talked about it being boxing plus wrestling plus this this and this and it's definitely becoming more of just a, a sport of MMA itself but the amount of skills the amount of techniques that you have to learn to become proficient at MMA is massive but imagine to become Arnold Allen's level where you've won 11 in a row where you're on about fighting Volkanovski the number one pound for pound fighter in the world that's like that is just crazy it's it's almost and obviously Calvin Cater as well in, in the same uh, breath it's almost impossible to be able to upkeep your body and to be able to stay fit to do that and I wonder as well like preparing for the five rounds you said about main events falling out and things I wonder is the preparation for five rounds obviously you haven't upped the cardio haven't the up the ability uh, to to last I suppose but also like just the mental side of it where like right I've been training really hard for my three round fights for the last five years or whatever it might be now I have a five round fight I'm going to have to train what, what percentage of that is it I don't know 60% harder or whatever it is I bet I bet you that's the thing because MMA fighters like we we you know people give out about them all the time, but they're you know they're tough people and they they don't they don't want to not be prepared in the right fashion and they don't want to half arson or anything like that. They want to become the best when you're at that level, 
and they f- probably feel the need that they need to improve upon all areas, but uh, with that cardio area as well to prepare for these big fights. And I'm sure that it's not easy for the body to survive that. Like the body is not made to survive these sort of things. You have to harden it and strengthen it over the years. And what, like, what if what if a part of your body falls apart? What if you don't, didn't do the right things five or six years ago, and now you're kind of trying to catch up again? It must be very, very tough. Like it must be so, so tough. And it's it, you know very few people, I suppose, have experienced that. There's no strength and conditioning coach that knows the difference, or maybe there's one or two, but very few, I suppose, that know the difference between preparing for a three-round fight and a five-round fight, and what actually should be done, and how you should, uh, you know, adjust not only your strength and conditioning, but also your game plan, and you know the, you know what you should put into it in terms of skill acquisition in that camp as well to make your, um, your chances of winning the fight even more. It's a, it's a very, very difficult conversation a lot of very difficult choices to make to achieve that and injuries become an absolute massive part of that I assume as well like you mentioned DJ Dillashaw as well like you also make the, ch- the choice in the middle of camp it's like alright I have an injury what am I going to do here am I going to keep fighting am I going to prepare in a different way is it going to limit my you know my endurance is going to limit my ability to do this and this and this and that's something as well you know i know you've seen and i've seen down through the years even talking to lads behind the scene i remember i was talking to someone recently and uh i, I did an interview with him or whatever and and uh he's like yeah this and this, i'm gonna win and i'm gonna win this way and that way and you know very confident and then i stopped the thing and i was talking to him afterwards and he was like i just i've been absolutely dying with the flu there for, for the last three weeks a giant covid and i couldn't get rid of him and uh i haven't had time to train just gonna be able to make way and i was like what you you just lied you just lied bareface for the last fucking 25 minutes or whatever it was in that interview and now you're telling me you're, you're probably not going to win the fight and he didn't win the fight so it's uh yeah it's it's one of those things it's mad but look these things happen in mma i suppose uh Let's talk a little bit about the fight, so I suppose, Graham. What, what did you think of the Aaron Allen performance? I thought it was really, really good. What, what, what did you see in it? Yeah, I agree. Arnold was looking good. I, I kind of feel like the, the, there was a feeling out process, and the fight was just kind of about to get going properly when the kind of uh, the knee, the knee injury or the leg injury happened. So it was it was pretty disappointing in that way. But you know, for Arnold Allen, what can he like? What more can he do? You know what I mean? It's not his fault. Um, I, I like the way he showed the rootlessness to immediately throw that leg kick into into the leg. I was talking about it last week about, you know, you have to be no mercy out there, and he was. And obviously, it's not the way you want to win. And you see afterwards that he's or that he wanted to win, and you see afterwards that he's kind of disappointed, didn't know kind of if he can call for a title shot or not, and kind of half called for an interim one. But you know, from his side of things, he did nothing wrong. But it seemed like the fight was kind of just getting going properly when it happened, and you know. Uh, as we mentioned, maybe if this had happened in isolation, people would have been like, oh, okay, fair enough, these things happen. But because it kind of seems to be keep happening as we talked about, people maybe a bit more pissed off about the whole thing. But, you know, from both guys' sides, there's not much they can do. And from Arnold, he did everything he could he could do. And, you know, he's on an 11-fight win streak now. And it does seem like the time, if you're going to if you're gonna put Volkanovski up at 55 to, to do an interim title, uh an interim title shot for Arnold Allen, maybe, you know, he, maybe Josh Emmett, uh, it's not the biggest selling fight or whatever, but, you know, I think 11 fights and the kind of, the caliber and the, the fact that, you know, he has uh, the English crowd or the UK crowd behind him and all, is it definitely plays a factor and maybe, maybe he could get a, a decent uh, card going there, but it's, it's just all a little bit disappointing. It was kind of, you know, his chance to kind of, 
really make a statement with Volkanovski kind of moving up to really make a statement and put himself into position. And now it's kind of, it's a little bit murky and kind of down to no fault of his own. But yeah, I thought, I thought he looked good out there, but obviously, um, it would have been nice to see how the fight developed. Indeed. Uh, and just on the title thing first, like if they are doing a stadium in, in the UK for the, the, the Leon Edwards fight, which I'm pretty skeptical about, but we'll see. Uh, I think they could put him as the interim title fight on that against Josh Emmett or Yair Rodriguez, whoever it might be. I think that'll make a, a whole ton of sense. Like the fact as well, as you said, 11 fight win streak. Now he was on a 10 fight win streak coming in. And I, like I was, uh, it, this happens sometimes in MMA where, Guys go on a streak like this, and they're clearly like the the next guy up. And it happened to Cub Swanson before, and they tried to put him in there with a guy. Uh, who did they put? I think they put Cub in there with Frankie in a rematch after Frankie had fought for the title and everything. And they, it it feels like they just don't fancy him, you know. And I, I I don't know is that the case with Arnold Allen? You you think it'd be the opposite because Arnold's a different type of cat. Like you know, he's he's not this guy who comes out there and talks shit and does all this but he's funny and people like him and they like his fight style he's one of those guys that actually kind of has gotten uh, over to steal a phrase from pro wrestling while not needing to talk and while not needing to be um, you know outlandish or make up stuff or whatever yeah. and I think he's gotten over with like us and like people who are paying close attention to the game but if you ask the casual you know American or whatever I don't know. About I, him. I don't know how much they'd know about him. You know what I mean? I think they'd more know more than the normal fighter who's like coming up or on the way forward. That that we like, uh, say like a Sean Brady. I, I think I think they'd know more about him than they would about about someone like that. Even though he's obviously very very good as, uh, as well. It's I, I don't know. Just maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it just feels that way to me. But you know he's had a few things recently and he's been funny on Twitter and funny and, and you know things like that go over well and really help I think with fans. But I suppose that's an aside anyway, and, and it doesn't really matter. But he's done enough. I I thought he'd done enough winning ten fights in a row. Yeah, I, I think it. it does matter. I think to the UFC it really matters. You know if. If he goes out there and and wins by injury, obviously it's not ideal. But you know, he's being himself in the interview afterwards, which is great. But you know, for the fans and for the UFC and getting people excited and getting people to say, okay, we need to put this guy in a title shot. You know, you need to make the buzz yourself. Like nobody else is going to do it for you. So uh, it's kind of a hard situation where we want guys to be genuine uh, themselves and all. But you're you're your own business and you need to make this happen. And you know. Uh, he he might be one of these guys that they kind of match up to to not get to the title shot if if you don't make a splash with the fans and I, I just well, like maybe I'm wrong but I think outside of like the local scene or the UK scene and the hardcores I I don't think he's you know I don't think fans are clamoring to see him in a title shot which is which you know they should be on on an eleven fight win streak maybe it doesn't help that they kind of the fights have broken up a little bit. There was a few injuries in there and cancelled bouts and things like that. But you know, if you if you just look at the recent record, you'd say, oh yeah, this guy's definitely you know at the at the top of the division, and you should put him in a title shot. But we all know it's not just about that. It, it is like it is about personality. It is about being able to sell, get people interested, and uh, everybody knows that. But it, it's definitely holding some guys back. Like even look at Leon Edwards. If if he had a, had a kind of more kind of been more outgoing and put himself out a bit more maybe he would have got to the title shot earlier and you know maybe it was the perfect time for him to get there and everything worked out in the end but for some of these guys circumstances call, uh, end up that they never actually get that title shot I, so, yeah, I agree yeah. you're, you're right you're, you're definitely right and that's like the personality and stuff 
uh, hinders people a bit. I don't think putting on stuff though actually helps either. Like it, it can for some people, you know, like Colby or Henry Cejudo. Or not even, people. not even pretend to be somebody else, but just have a name ready and be like, yeah. you know, you say what you say, and then at the end 100%. say, I fucking eleven fight win streak. You know, everybody's overlooking me. I fucking want Josh Emmett in fucking whatever Birmingham or London or whatever, and I. Uh, you know, I think everybody in the in the crowd here will agree that I I deserve it or whatever. They all cheer. Yeah. That's better. You know, it's, it's not going to be somebody that. else. You can just call for what yeah. you think you deserve. Yeah, he, he de- like it definitely should have and could have done that. As you know, we were talking to Spencer about it over and over in the group chat, and he was kind of saying he made a good point. Like that, he could have just broken his hand. It was a weird win. It was you know, and you feel weird about doing it, then, which I absolutely understand. But at the same time, like there's an easy way around that. Saying like I deserved this title shot before this fight. They made me jump through hoops to get to a title shot. I came in here, I destroyed this guy, and then he fell apart. Let me get that title shot now. I want to fight Josh Emmett. I don't want anything that I haven't earned. 11 fight win streak. Josh Emmett. London. Interim title. Co-main event on Leon Edwards versus Cameron Usman too. Let's do it. You know, it's 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 not rocket science. Yeah, that's science. what I'm saying. Don't have to be like fucking 50 Gs, but you yeah, don't have to be yeah, like yeah. Paddy Pimm, an impersonator, or Connor. <laughs> yeah, you can just be yourself. Yeah. Do that, and then at the end say, yeah say like a quick sentence like that that you have prepared mm-hmm, 100% yeah he, de- he definitely could have done that I, I, I 100% agree with that and I was saying that uh, last night as well but yeah he, he, he didn't and that's unfortunate because even the last time he was like there was it was I think Volkanovski was fighting around the same time and like he had put himself in there to be you know it was either him or, or Emmett getting the next title shot and I think look Emmett has been around for a while and he's had opportunities to get there more than Arnold Allen and has kind of failed and jumped back up and no not no disrespect to, to Emmett but Arnold Allen is the guy and at that stage a 10 fight win streak and then he calls for Calvin Cater I'm like what are you doing what are you doing why are you calling out Calvin Cater you should be calling out the fucking champ you know re- reach for the fucking uh, stars and you might fall and land in the clouds and fight Calvin Cater no problem but call out fucking Volkanovski or say you know I want Volkanovski next uh, and I'll beat Calvin Cater along the way if I have to or something like that but call that name of Volkanovski it's just anyway yeah. I don't think that's it, 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 like if he thought like here I'm not ready I'd like a couple more fights before I get to the title then that would be mm-hmm. fine but he's like you know he did say in a roundabout way like oh, I do deserve the title shot it was just gonna you know from I picked up from what he said that he does think he's ready for a title shot so yeah yeah, you know it, it would be fair enough if he thought here I want to test myself against a couple more guys improve m- a couple more camps whatever fair enough but that doesn't seem to be the case yeah and the saddest thing about this fight as well just to kind of get back to it there for a second I actually think um I actually think Aaron Allen was about to destroy Calvin Keller. I think he was going to finish him. I really, really do. Like, the way this fight went, where Aaron Allen was kind of winning the early exchanges, and you look, like, Keller, what he's really good at is landing the jab and landing all those strikes and landing in combinations. And he did land a couple of jabs, but every time that he was throwing shots, Allen was kind of landing one back early, even when, uh, when he did, before he kind of upped the ante. And then Calvin Keller landed one power shot, and it kind of turned from there in that first round. Alan just upped the pace, landed loads of straights right down the middle, hurt Cater one time uh, with uh, a big combination, and then a second time straight after it as well. Like, it was... It was it was a clear round for Aaron Allen. It really looked like Cater, and no, not to say that he couldn't make adjustments if he'd said fully fit or he couldn't have hung in there or anything like that, but it was looking really bad at that stage for uh, for Calvin Cater because he wasn't able to do the things that he normally does in the area where he does them. 
and it, that was where the fight was happening and Aaron Allen was still winning there so I think it was a massive a massive disadvantage for for Cater and we saw the ending happen because he realized that and he was trying to change things up and he was throwing a flying knee which you, very, you never see from Calvin Cater in that sort of way and then he came down on his knee like I, I don't this is very this might sound very harsh or, or something like that but like it was his decision to jump and do that mad technique which got him injured if we're being honest like and if we're looking at it from Aaron yeah, Allen's point of view but like you know he probably he probably has thrown that like you know on a bagger in in training and sparring and all that stuff loads of times and you can throw you could probably throw that knee like hundreds of times and not not injure yourself like that so it is just in my opinion really unlucky yeah, uh, yeah, I would say it's probably a bit less unlucky than most injuries in that cases. Like it was, I don't think it was a smart technique to throw at that time, especially with Aaron Allen kind of moving out the way of it, like clearly moving out the way of it to the other side. Uh, anyway, it did, like that, that's obviously very, very harsh for me. But when you look at the fight, that's the way it was going. He was kind of forced to throw something like that, and it was probably. You know, it's probably necessary, but also not the smartest thing in the world. But I, I, I'll digress on that one. Uh, it went on. What did you think of, of between rounds? Like uh, a lot of people criticizing the uh, her. I think it was Herb Dean, wasn't it? And the uh, and the doctor as well. I wouldn't give him too much criticism. Like he went over in his knee. Sometimes you go over in your knee, like you you click it or whatever, and it might be grand. You might be able to either you know get through it, I suppose, or it might just be. You, you jarred it and it's grand and you can you can keep going and it looked it I don't think he looked too bad in the corner to be honest or maybe he just hit it well obviously he just hit it very very yeah. well I I, think, I don't criticize him I, too much for letting it go on yeah I, I think I think it should have been let go on even though you know it's easy to say afterwards that it, that it shouldn't have been but at the time uh, even into his corner he they asked about his leg and he said oh, I'm not sure what happened and then he tried to kind of ease it out jumped up and down a few times it seemed okay uh, you know obviously it was a big uh, it's, it's something that happened to it but in the moment, adrenaline, all that stuff, you're probably not sure how bad it is. And he's probably, you know, fought through injuries before, as, as I was saying earlier. And I think that from what the doctor saw and what we saw on the TV, I think it was it was the right decision to, to let it go on, even though obviously in, in hindsight, it's easy to say it's, it wasn't. It's easy. What, what, what's the thing Artem says? It's easy. Yeah, or, um, it was Luca. Luca Jelkic. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's easy to be the general after the battle. That's good. That's a good one. No, to be fair, uh, it, indeed it is. But so the fight came out. And people didn't see the fight. Come out for the second round. And then hit him with one low kick, and uh, that was. I think it was on the other leg. Actually, hit him with the low kick. Was I haven't gone back and watched. Yeah, but you know the. the yeah. It's it, like going straight for the legs. That's just you know, as I said earlier, you have right to show no mercy. You know, he could he could land like a big punch even when compromised or or you know he could land some big striker you you could end up uh, slipping and on the ground underneath you know eat, eating shots so you have to show no mercy and it was good to see Arnold Allen doing that okay Graham here's a question what was the result of that fight like if you were to if you were to write it down on Shardog and put down the result of that fight what would you put it down as it should just be a TKO like like kick. Absolutely, I put that up on Twitter yesterday, and people were like up in arms. Are you are you just being stupid? Or are you are, are you just, are you just being smart? Are you actually stupid? It's like the, the the injury happened around before. He kept going. He kept on. Okay, the injury was absolutely a massive part of it. No getting that wrong, but he kicked him. He went down, and the fight ended. It's like. What do, like what do you want here? Like what? what, what? It, it's not like it got. To, let's yeah, say, like if somebody has a broken rib and you mm-hmm. body shot them and they go down, it's still a TKO. Like. Yeah, indeed. Like there's some fight. Let's say even the McGregor fight. You know the famous where he's wrong. Doctor Savage, Doctor Savage. He got kicked. 
his, uh, his ankle or leg got broke or whatever, went to the end of the round, and then the doctor came in and looked at him, stopped the fight. Like, if the fight had been stopped at the end of the first round, um, and it was, uh, it was uh, the doctor stopped it, that would have yeah, been doctor It wasn't stoppage. even a kick, it was uh, standing back on the leg. Indeed, but if it had been stopped, right, let's yeah. say Cater went down after he injured his knee at, you know, 438 of the first round or whatever, wasn't able to continue, then absolutely, yeah, then that's a TKO via yeah. injury. But the fight went on, he kicked him and he went down. I'm not saying it wasn't a part of it. And, you know, sometimes they, they do it like it's injury and leg kicks or whatever or something like that, or, you know, knees and punches. I'm like, well, it's your fucking knees or punches. Get, like, like, decide. And sometimes it can be bought, absolutely. But, yeah, that's... Yeah, maybe, maybe, like, you know, for Calvin Qatar, it'd probably be, you know, he'd be saying, oh, like, oh, the injury was what caused the end of the fight and argue that way. And I could see a, a bit of the argument, but... Yeah, as you said, it wasn't that you know. It was too. Jumped. I'm just, like I'm purely talking here about facts. Like the injury definitely caused the end of the fight. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. When we're talking about facts, like if you're writing it down uh, for forevermore to come, how did this fight end? I think you have to be very factual about it. You can't say your opinion and all that. But that that's literally doesn't matter so we'll, we'll move off of that uh, right we are a half an hour in here and we've talked about one fight so we better uh, we better hurry along here look this UFC wasn't great to be honest I, I actually I didn't see most of the fights on it because I was watching Bellator we'll talk a little bit more about Bellator uh, Max Griffin went in there winning split decision also a shout out and just seeing split decision there was a good few split decisions and a lot of contentious decisions over the last while but the, you know these things happen in MMA shout out to, to my guy Ben Carlage first ever UK judge over in, over in Las Vegas he did a great job in my opinion he was on the right side of all of uh, these uh, decisions although they were all close so I no disrespect to any of the other judges but uh, you know, everyone knows Ben has been on the podcast before and uh, does a great job and you know it's it's been tough as well he was doing that Yan fight he was doing the, the Khalil Roundtree fight last night which were two very close decisions people giving out about in my opinion you know two very very close fights and we talked about the one last week the Khalil Roundtree one I think he got I think he got this one right I thought Khalil just about won it very very close it was weird we'll skip to Khalil for a second and we'll just talk about that fight but shout out to Ben and uh, congratulations to him getting over to, to Vegas and doing it and I think great job as well by the, the Vegas commission to do that and spread their wings and get the best judges over because they you know they need them they absolutely do There's a lot of fights in Vegas now as well so the judges over there also need a rest at times as well so fair play to them this Kalyan Roundtree fight it was so weird because I spent the first uh, I was talking to Ian about it at the time as well uh, the two of us were like what is, what's Khalil doing here why is he fighting so differently Khalil Roundtree to me is I, I, t- I tweeted last night like he's like a guy who only uses the techniques he's learned in this training camp in the fight <laughs> it's like he forgets everything he ever did before and comes out like a completely different fighter and this this might have been even though he won and even though he did well I think this might have been one of the worst versions of Khalil Roundtree we've seen I just think oh my god sometimes you see guys right and they want to do, and I, uh, this is not roundabout saying the, the way I just said the, the, the last thing. They want to do all the things they just learned, and forget about what makes them great. Like Khalil Roundtree to me is like a really good, like fast twitch power striker inside. Um, and like if he fought, say like a Yoel Romero type win, just kind of waited and waited, stayed safe and landed big shots. He's really, really good at that. But what he did last night was playing like the the inside hand fighting, uh, trying to land little hooks inside type of game, like like Robbie uh, Lawler and Johnny Hendricks used to play back in the day. Uh, 
also added to like this kind of front leg moving Mai Tai stance. But and when he kind of got to a little bit of uh, a little bit of range, he was throwing that straight left right down to the middle, and it was really really good. It was like it was really good. But then when he went back to his own, when he kind of thought about it, went back to the game he wanted to fight. It was just like so pointless because Jacoby's like a very good striker. I think he was saying he's a glory kickboxing champion or something like that, and he's very very good. And he was just like, it wasn't that he was dominating round three and that. It was, it was actually very even, I think. It was just round three was making it a more even fight than it needed to be. It was like, just step back from this guy. Throw your big shots when you need to and don't take any shots from him. It was like a fight I think he could have won. Maybe he could have won a, a lot easier and he just made hard work of it, I feel like. Like round three to me, right? Because he has acquired so many skills down through the years I would love to see him go like say someone like Matt Hume right and spend a fucking year training with Matt Hume and then spend the next and then have a fight and then spend the next five years training with Matt Hume like genuinely and I mean this Kelly Roundtree could become UFC champion he's, I, I believe in him that much I think he's that good he has all the skills but just putting it together he almost game plans too much. He almost has too much of a game plan in very different ways all the time, and it's very kind of frustrating to watch. But uh, anyway, maybe I'm maybe I'm just overblown. What, what did you think of that fight, Graham? The decision and, and the fight itself. Yeah, like I didn't watch it with a fine two comb, but uh, the second round I think it came down to, and um, having kind of just like watched it without without watching it to judge it, I did think that uh, Jacoby was going to get the decision, but the second round was really close, and I, like you know when you're not watching it really closely. Uh, it's 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 hard, but I haven't watched it back either. But you know, a really close second round either way, and I know I know uh, people were kind of there was a bit of controversy over it. But he did uh, he did land some power shots in in that round. Uh, he probably got outlanded by by a good percentage. But you know, as we talked about before, it's the impactful shots, and you know, uh, a lot of these rounds are are coming down to what what the judges or what the what the people watching kind of calculate as being the the more impactful shots and that's obviously very subjective but uh yeah it's, it's hard to say you know definitively who won who won the fight without going back and, and watching it again even that first round as well like I, I was watching it was like okay Jacoby's ahead and then round three landed a massive shot just towards the end of the round which on TV I actually don't think looked that big but I kind of went back and I looked at it again it was a massive shot like that's the sort of, of shot that can change around like that as well especially if you're a judge and you're on the right side of it and you see it that way I know one judge had the first round for round three um uh, you know, and two judges had it for, for Jacoby and I still think Jacoby won it but I can definitely see an argument there but as I said very very close fight uh, throughout anyway uh, but yeah indeed uh, Max Griffin then and Tim Means uh, I thought this one was going to end very very quickly Max Griffin came out dropped him got on top and then it kind of turned into a little bit of a boar fest if we're being honest it wasn't, wasn't great after that there was kind of a lot of these fights that started out well and then it was like meh not, but a good win for Max Griffin you know very very good it's weird though Max Griffin versus Tim Means in 2022 was a co main event. Like that tells you how, how bad this card was. Uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta won against Jared Vandera in a unanimous decision. Uh, another snooze fest. And who cares? Uh, Treshawn Gore, he actually he guillotined Josh Frimmed, Frimmed, like friend with no I in. Um, and he literally nearly took the head off him. Like he started guillotining him, Frimmed climbed up the cage. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was a standing guillotine. He climbed up the cage and then Treshan Gore just pulled him away from the cage and he was guillotining him as Frimmed was in the air. 
and li- literally nearly pulled the head off him and the referee had to step in and it was Chris Tyone I think and uh, and stopped it a good stoppage in the end but Frim's head like jumped back and hit the fucking canvas in it was it was a tough one a very very tough one uh, doing me a round trick Jacoby Roman Delitz again I didn't see most of the rest of these fights Graham if I'm being honest you can run us through the rest of them here Phil Hayes got got injured in the yes, Phil Hayes Hawes Hawes from Nakadero got injured and tried to fight on as well. So that's another one to add to the, <laughs> the list of uh, uh, fights kind of uh, ruined by injuries or uh, scuppered by injuries. Uh, before that, Arlovsky didn't look great, kind of seemed to not really resist too much, to get, getting rear naked choked at the end. Um, Park got a got a nice rear naked choke. Uh, you know, Chase Hooper got pretty destroyed by Steve Garcia uh, I don't know 20 seconds into the fight 30 seconds into the fight he looked like he'd been in a bomb site his face was all purple he he's just he's just way too hittable uh, Chase Hooper why is, um, like how is Chase Hooper still in the UFC if we're being honest like I know he's a funny guy and he's he's good on Twitter and stuff but this this it, it, I feel bad watching and I know he's won a fight recently but this, this I feel bad watching this guy like it, it, he shouldn't be fighting in here. Like, go and do some jiu-jitsu or do your ADCCs or something. It's like, it's like watching Andrew McGann in an MMA fight or something. I feel bad for him. I'm like, don't, don't beat that poor boy <laughs> around sick. the place. Like, if I feels really bad. Like, let him go. Well, he's, three, he's three and three in the UFC now. So, yeah. you know, he's probably looking at uh, maximum another one uh, if, he, if he doesn't win. But, yeah, he looks like he has a lot of work to do. And maybe maybe a stint outside, you know, uh, the UFC w- would be good for him. We've seen, we've seen that benefit, guys, and they come back uh, more developed. And maybe maybe that'll be the case with Hooper. But, yeah, he he just doesn't seem, doesn't seem UFC ready yet. Just, just get on Garden Ryan's protein. Go to the ADCCs, put on your pajamas, and have a few rolls around with lads. You know, that's your future. Don't mind this MMA fighting. <laughs> Don't mind it. Get away from it. But uh, yeah, anyway, what, what about the rest of them, Graham? Um, yeah, there was, a, you know, a decision there with Cody Dern and uh, Carlos <laughs> Congrats, Cody. Fair, fair play, John. Huh? <laughs> You're like, there was a decision there. Like, fair play, Cody. Congratulations. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, the card, the, the prelims and... Who cares? Like, basically, who cares? Uh, there wasn't much on this card, really. No, there wasn't. There was an Anaconda show. Christian Rodriguez uh, got it, looked... Got it easily. I don't know. Josh Williams really knew how to defend, or just maybe made a mistake and turned into it and looked looked to give up the Anaconda pretty easily. But uh, yeah, there was there wasn't like there was a few nice finishes and things like that on on the doing the car, but no real jeopardy. Not too many high le- high level fights. It just wasn't a great card. And then obviously with the you know decision in the co-main event and the injury in the main event, uh, you know. It wasn't great night all around. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to call it like it is. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't the greatest card in the world. Well, what you think of this Josh Thompson uh, thing? Goes oh, the MMA media's job is to promote these guys. Yeah, I, we I, keep I, hearing this stuff <laughs> from different people. I don't know what they think. We're like PR. For yeah, the MMA media job there. is the exact opposite are, of the promotion. I'm, I'm afraid to lose my credentials for the use. Yeah. Things. Oh no. Never, never use. That. <laughs> Funnily enough, the only uh, the only entity or promotion ever to ban me. He was Bellator and uh, they stopped in the emails and all because I was saying bad things about him I'm like oh sure, no. the, only, the only time I was banned was when uh, in, Bro- in Brooklyn when oh, I wasn't yeah, yeah. there you were like, uh, <laughs> you were banned by I was in Dublin and I was like half the people on the fucking thing weren't even there like, like. <laughs> and then they were like oh no sorry we thought it was somebody else was like, oh, uh, no, it was, uh, no it was definitely you anyway but uh, yeah just absolute bullshit from Josh Thompson like 
if there's a shitty card like last night, our job is to come on and call is it he, a shitty is card. Just, is he just trying to be like a Chael Sonnen just to say he's uh, to get I, hits or do you think he actually believes this? I don't think he's that smart to be honest to play people. I just think he's a bit stupid. Like, And I, I like Josh and I've, I've talked to him a few times and met him. He's, he's actually stupid. I like Josh. He's not as stupid as he makes out. Cause, so there is a bit of it to be honest. He's a nice guy and, and everything like that but that was, that was I've said some stupid things myself. You said stupid things like you yeah, said Liverpool to win the league and stuff. Twitter, Twitter snippets and yeah <laughs> but he did it he, he kind of he made a point of being stupid yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was hoisted upon his own petard was poor old Joshy uh, also winner learn winner learn yeah. this uh, yeah this uh, Bellator versus Rising card I don't know any of the Rising lads I'm going to be honest like uh, just rising a thing that bypasses me and all the Bellator guys on it I know them and they're very very good but like I'll have to look into those rising guys like I, I won't be able to madly promote it until someone tells me who those rising lads are like if we're being honest so uh, anyway let's talk about Bellator briefly and then we have a massive Cage Warriors cart to, to preview so Bellator uh, I did a full breakdown of this over in Shardog if anyone's checked that out you probably don't but anyway uh, the main event Mansour Benoit looked absolutely fantastic destroyed Adam Bigelotti, uh just basically kind of took the fight to the ground over and over made it you know made it easy really Piccolati got a couple of takedowns and he just got swept so easily like this Benoit is just he's a top top fighter and he's going to make waves in that lightweight division in Bellator uh, we'll, we'll pop back to Fabian Edwards and Charlie Ward we'll talk about that at the end I assume you've, you've watched that one Graham this card was so weird because there was loads of Italian it was on Italy in Milan loads of Italians on the undercard massive crowd and I, I saw my guy uh, Tudor Leonte over in Sherlock saying everyone left bef- a lot of people left before the main main uh, event, not, or sorry, before the main card, not even the main event, uh, because there was no Italians. Which, if you're an Irish MMA fan, makes a lot of sense. Like they didn't have any interest in this. It was ridiculous, ridiculous card placement by Bellator. I don't know what they were doing, and like I feel like they won't make that mistake again. But anyway, uh, Sal Rogers, Tim Wild, great win for Tim Wild. Looked very, very good uh, for the, the second half of this fight. I suppose was absolutely picking him off in the third round. Great performance from him. Uh, Andrew Fisher got beat by just. Justin Gonzalez, um, not a great fight to, to write home about. Daniel Scatizzi beat uh, David Gallon. Uh, he got a takedown early, train, chain wrestling for the whole of the first round, the close second round. Um, Scatizzi got a, a, a few takedowns and landed some nice ground upon and deserved to win that. So good win for uh, for the Italian SPG. And there was a few Italian SPG guys uh, on this. Uh, Castello Vanzinis then got a great win. Landed loads of calf kicks up the pace as the fight went, which you don't see often in MMA. He started, wasn't it? He started slow, but he started at a pace and then pace got higher and higher and higher. And he ended with a lovely Darce Chuck. He has to be in the conversation as well at the top of that middleweight division after beating Fabian Edwards, coming back from injury now and winning that. Alfie Davis just destroyed Tebow Guti fighting off the back foot very interesting fight one of those fights where you look at the octagon control again and look at the guy that won 30-27 and all three cards having zero octagon control and Tebow Guti his opponent having all the octagon control and still losing uh 30-27 and all three cards so there you go Alfie Davis just picked him off from the back foot the next fight Kira Pacheco versus Manuela Marcano, Mar- Marconetto uh, I'm going to need to go and rewatch that one to be honest because I was watching Pen- Penko not Pachenko oh sorry Pinko, yeah uh, 
a lot of people calling that a massive robbery and I, I'm definitely going to need to go and rewatch it uh, because I was kind of, I was half watching it with another fight or something else at the same time and I didn't watch it fully so I'm going to need to go back. Um, Pinko won it and uh, everyone kind of thought Manuela won it so we'll have to we'll have to go back and we'll have to see on that one. Um, it looked like even Penko looked shocked when yeah, <laughs> he got the decision. It, it, it was definitely, it was definitely an odd one. Uh, Eve Landu didn't beat Walter Coglinandro uh, who's out of SPG as well I believe um, Landu got a few takedowns he was a very very good he went for an Americana one stage and he was talking to to a corner I'm not sure if it was John Kavanaugh or his own corner but didn't get the Americana I wasn't even near to it it was just the weirdest thing of all time anyway uh, he kind of won on, on the feet and on the ground and in the third as well got a crucifix at one stage to win the fight Simon Biong this guy you have to keep an eye on this guy really really good he beat Luke Trainer last time out beat Dragos Subco here uh, landed a few shots got a few takedowns got a mount at one stage ground and pound uh, it was a very rough finish at the end it looked like Zubko was injured but he got up and he was, he was fine afterwards uh, the Nicolo so uh, Soli obviously out of SPG as well um, round one he's wrestling one for him he was looking for the arm bar in round two uh, but Kamara landed some big ground and pound probably won that round round three then there was like three and a half minutes of clinch Soli with uh, a big punch almost got the rear naked choke and uh, ended up winning that I think he got the, the correct decision there hopped into the crowd afterwards this is where like the Italian crowd were, were mad during the prelims or a great crowd uh, unfortunately the, the main card had no Italians on it so they couldn't be a great crowd but that was that was fun. Luke Trainer finished his opponent Lucas Al Cena very quickly. Front kick to the face, takedown near naked choke. Uh, Andre Fuzzi, not a great performance, got destroyed by Stephen Hill. Um lost one and two outstruck in round three at the start and then now wrestle at the end of it uh, wrestling in rounds one and two from Hill uh, and then Kamadoff liver kick KO to Jose Tume so that's that there before we move to KHRs Graham did you see the Anderson Silva Jake Paul thing just briefly here I don't really I, want to I, talk about it to be I, I, I didn't stay up for it but I saw just uh, on MMA Reddit I saw like uh, the knockdown uh, yeah. at the, at, towards the end but uh no, I didn't. I didn't stay up for it. Did you stay up for it? I did. Yeah, I, I, I was. Well, I'd be up anyway because you know I'm a fucking degenerate. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't buy it, but I watched it. I would put it that way. <laughs> um, it was. It was weird because so I, I don't want to go through and break it down fully because that's not us. We're not that shit. And uh, Anderson, as he always does, did nothing in the first round. You know, and the, the comments were like, "Oh, what's he doing? What's he doing?" It's like you've never seen Anderson Silva fight before. And then in the second round, he was just absolutely destroying Jake Paul. And then in the third round, he like got tired and looked old. And he got a punch. I think it was like the fourth round, maybe. And like his nose was really bloodied, and his cut his cutmen were absolutely terrible and couldn't get his nose like fixing it just kept bleeding and it, you could kind of see in Anderson's face is like well let's not take too much damage here and he just kind of he just he looked old and he looked slow after that but he kind of just waited out the rest of the fight like I, I, I think Jake Paul generally is a good boxer right and people he's a dickhead and it's a big circus and all but he can box he didn't look great in this one and Anderson Silva kind of just let him win because uh, he didn't want to take too much damage I think and just stop doing stuff uh, yeah yeah it, it was it was entertaining because it was a 47 year old man against a young lad who was running around and trying very hard uh but it was so sad. Like, it was one of the saddest things. That 12th round or the 8th round or whatever it was, the last round, 
Oh my god! It was Anderson getting knocked down by this fucking YouTuber with with five boxing contests, and then at the end of the fight, he was there, and he's like, "It's still the cut, the, the most useless cut crew of all time." His nose was still bleeding, and they like they went to a shot of him, and he was like bloodied and beaten by a fucking YouTuber and crying. And I'm I was thinking like, are, are people happy with this? Like. Yeah. It just I I put it up beforehand like this this thing is is fucking sad that a grey like Anderson Silva is involved in all this and you can talk about your money and you can talk about oh he wants to fight and he wants to keep at it but isn't it an absolute shame that legends of our sport like can't be happy with what they've done and I'm not even talking see, about it's money. It's not just our sport though it's it's every competitive sport you see them it's boxing like, guys who've been on the top made the millions they come back at like what 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 age did George Foreman come back at what age did, yeah but you know do you, do you like you look at soccer like you know Steven Gerrard's not coming back if you get me yeah like uh, why and uh, I, I know why i know the reason why i know the reason why but i'm just saying it's a shame i'm not talking about anderson Silva or anyone in general i'm talking about everyone isn't it a shame that like your time is up now let's rest you know go go and do something else go and go and be a trainer go and be a promoter go you know you find you have to find something you have to find the next thing this is over for you right this is the end of it for you you have to move on and that's a sad and tough thing to say i'm not saying it's easy these lads spend their whole lives fighting and never giving up and to ask them to give up is a very very tough thing but they fucking have to like look at bj pin for years what he did and like do do people really want to see that no i'm not anderson is not uh, at that level uh, but it's so sad i agree with i agree with you i think it's kind of like the the concussion protocol in 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 like American football and football, somebody else outside has to be able to say that's enough. You're not allowed. like the commission has to say you can't. You know, I know you just go somewhere else and get licensed or whatever, but they're like they're they're never going to stop. Like even even if their coaches, some guys, if their coaches say oh, I'm not cornering anyone, I think it should stop. They'll move to a new camp. You know, it's just impossible to. Yeah, it's true. It's to true. Stop these guys, but it is it, as you said, it is sad. Like you know, Anderson Silva. What is he like? Forty seven or forty eight now? Or is, yeah, forty seven. Yeah, that's he's nearly fifty years old. You know what I mean? The ghost of the ghost of Anderson Silva is still in there, like boxing against <laughs> against a YouTuber. It is, you know. It is a strange situation, and it is, and it is like you know, a sad state of affairs. But even if these guys were paid, you know, what they were earned and had all these millions, I don't think that would change it. I think these guys are just, they just, they are fighters. Are their whole world revolves around fighting for so long that for some some of them anyway, it's impossible to break away from it. Like they, we see, we always joke about it, hashtag MMA retirements. These guys probably like, you know, have put a thought into it. Okay, I'm going to retire. And then two weeks later, they just, they have to go back to the gym and do it. Cause that's all they know. That's all they know, you know, yeah. uh, with Habib, you know, he started to kind of, he's still kind of involved in MMA, putting on, uh, putting on uh, promotion, training guys, you know, friends of his teammates of his uh, corner in them stuff like that so he's still involved and that probably itches a bit of the the scratch for him but for other guys sometimes they just have nothing and you know Addison Silva you probably think oh you could go do go do whatever he wants in you know Brazilian TV or something like that stay involved in the sport but maybe that doesn't satisfy him maybe that's just not for him and it's re- it's really hard to, to to stop these guys when they don't want to be stopped you know he, 
it's basically impossible. You know, if, if there's money to be made off them, some promoter will put, will, will put them on in, in some jurisdiction and make money off them. But I don't really see a simple solution to, uh, yeah. to the problem. I don't either. And there isn't. And my whole, my whole point is here is I'm not talking about a solution. I'm not talking about the commission's up or anything like that. I'm just talking about like the, the sad situation. And you said we do the hashtag Emory retirements and it, you know, it's a, it's a joke, absolutely, but it's a joke because of the actual situation that we are in, and it's like it's so. It's one of the parts of this sport. There's lots of parts of this sport that fucking pain me, but I fucking I really hate that. Like I really, really hate it. Like there, there's nothing worse than watching, and you know, I'm sure you watch it with Steven Gerrard, and and you know, I watch it with you know Wayne Rooney or Roy Keane or whoever it might be, and other people. Their legs go, and they're not the same, you know. But it's very, very easy to see it in sports like that. And some like in MMA, you can drop a level, but Anderson Silva has dropped level after level after level. And he got you know he lost his fucking Uriah Hall and, and other lads as well. Like to to be in there with this like a YouTuber and losing, it's like uh, if Uriah Hall went in there and lost to Anderson to uh, uh, Jake Paul or whoever, we'd be like, okay, you know, fine. He was a, he was a kind of a middling light uh, or middleweight for a long time, earned a bit of money, no problem. But this is a sport, a great of the sport, an absolute great of the sport. Has to, uh, it's not that he has to do this, but it's. It's just like the sport, the, like the sport almost breeds this because it's like it's a dirty, rotten sport at the end of the day. It really fucking is, and um, things like this make me hate MMA. There, like I, w- I just wish Anderson Silva could be sitting at home watching the fights or training. You know, his son to come up or training the next uh, level of MMA fighters to come up. Or you know, they're talking about starting a you know a, a union. Absolutely do that, but fighting no mass Anderson no mass also this union stuff that Jay Paul is on about he's just using fighters and their misery to take shots at Dana White and promote himself do not fucking be dragged into this lies and bullshit like really and I, I need to go on a bigger rant about that fucking idiot but I don't like talking about it I don't want to anyway we're going to move on we're going to talk about cage riders because fuck that shit anyway well, with Fabian Edwards as well oh yeah Fabian uh, and Charlie Ward oh yeah <laughs> the tangent took us away <laughs> Steve, go on what did you think of that fight yeah you know obviously it was we talked about it before it was a difficult style matchup for Charlie I think you know uh, Fabian he I don't know what he was what his game plan was he seemed displeased with himself after saying oh that wasn't me that wasn't me but he kind of dictated the fight uh, for most of the time and made it like that so I don't really understand understand that as a bit of a strange situation in my opinion I don't know what you thought of that but in the actual fight you know, uh, I wasn't expecting Edwards to to go for the takedowns on Charlie. That was a uh, that was a that was a good part of the game plan, I suppose. But uh, yeah, Charlie looked in great shape. He just couldn't really get much off. I think he landed one or two decent shots, but uh, Fabian was just much more fluid on the feet and was mixing it up nicely. And uh, in terms of uh, keeping Charlie guessing with the with with the grappling and things like that, but. Yeah, I, uh, it wasn't a great fight, as as Fabian said afterwards. There was uh, some some funny moments with Charlie kind of uh, fuck off and all this stuff being being Charlie to to Fabian. Did, Fabian didn't seem to really know what to make of the whole thing, and the ref at the end didn't really know if Charlie was mad or happy or they were friends or enemies, and it, that was quite funny. But um, 
it was just a bit of a bit of a strange performance from Fabian, but you know he got the he got the job done. Um, he kind of probably surprised Charlie. Charlie probably prepared for a, a different type of fight that that didn't happen. So maybe that was that was a good thing. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I was uh, wasn't really that impressed with with Fabian's performance, to be honest. Yeah, uh, it was. It turned into such a weird fight, and it was kind of hard to. <laughs> I, I hadn't even thought about Fabian's performance not being great. To be honest, it was like to start it off. I think it was a very kind of slow paced fight, and then Fabian wobbled Charlie with that big head kick, and it looked like he was. Yeah, he took uh, that really well, Charlie. Yeah, he <laughs> he took did. that really well. Charlie's on these guys. He gets wobbled, but then the kind of the chin kicks in, and he survives. Like he always has kind of. He always has kind of done that. And um, when he's wobbled, you got to be careful. And haymakers coming back yeah, at you. Yeah, you do. And fucking Fabian nearly caught a few of them. Fabian fell over from a second head kick, and then Charlie just jumped down on him with massive fucking ground about. Um, you know, landed a bit after. I think initially the ground and pound was the best. Got up late. Nice shot, shot by Charlie. You know, it was it was a close round. I thought Fabian definitely won it because of the big head kick. But uh, like the rest of the round, Charlie actually probably did win it because he was on top for a, a good part of it. But uh, Fabian won the round because of that. As you said, the quick takedown to start the second round, nearly into the mount onto the back, two hooks, almost got a rear naked choke. Charlie got out. Uh, then there was the ball kick, which was the start of the weirdness because Charlie was like calling him a fucking prick. And it was like, Charlie had hit Fabian in the ball, so maybe Fabian made a comment or oh, something. I think, I think maybe Charlie had thought it hadn't because it kind of glanced off the cup and then landed on the body, so maybe he thought that he had landed it to the body or something. Yeah, That's maybe. probably what I was thinking at the time. Maybe, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of more takedowns from Fabian. Landed big, big elbows. Almost got an arm triangle at the end, but Charlie uh, defended very, very well. Another takedown from Fabian in the third. Got into the mounts. Took the back, flattened Charlie out. Charlie trapped the gloves really well, uh, and then it was the body triangle, and that the body triangle was kept for the rest of the fight by uh, by Fabian, and then they just started talking to each other. And Charlie was like, "Number two in the world, number two in the world," and <laughs> just, just saying like loads of shit. You're only a bitch. So you're not going to do anything else. Number two in the world. You're only a bitch, Fabian. <laughs> it was absolutely. It was just crazy, and the fight ended, and then like Charlie like jumped in to hug him on the ground but it felt like it felt like he, they were fighting while hugging and then they got up and it was like Charlie was shooting throwing like a few like short headbutts in him but like friendly headbutts but like were they friendly headbutts and it was just so weird it felt like I oh yeah these two lads I don't know if they were fucking friends or enemies at that stage it was it was so bizarre but uh, anyway the uh, you know the, the yeah, not a classic, not a classic now that I think of it, and Fabian kind of said it as well. It was a very funny fight, though, and Bellator did, actually did a great package leading up to it as well, but, uh, yeah, look, Fabian moves on. I, I'd actually like to see him rematch Costello Vancinas in the winner of that fight for the title, but uh, I'd say they might give it to Fabian. They, they seem to be ma- massively pushing the whole Leon thing and, and the, the two champions thing, so they'll probably uh, give him the title fight. Could you see in Ireland, maybe, Fabian Edwards fighting Jenny Eblen in Ireland in February? I could see yeah, that. Yeah, it, it could be. You know, it's it's a bit. It's the Bellator is kind of biggest venue that they can go to, and if they, if they're trying to make Fabian, you know, uh, a star, you know, which which they should be doing, I think, you know, I think he's one of their most talented fighters, especially in that division. So, yeah, it would make a lot of sense. But um, it's it's hard to see what Bellator will do. They 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 might put him on a, a UK card or an, another European card. You know, we were talking about it earlier with their. With their card placement here, I don't know what the um, what the thinking was, but sometimes I think they don't 
I don't know, they make simple errors like that. You know, obviously you you'd have to you'd have to maybe have a big co-main event of Irish guys or or have it, uh, another title fight as the co-main event of Irish guys if you don't want people to start leaving, especially if it doesn't. You know, if the fight starts off a little a little slow or something like that, so I think that has to be taken into consideration if you're putting it on the Irish card. But uh, you know, I'd like to see the rematch with Costello. Obviously, he's returned on the, at the same time, or he's fought at the same time, returning from injury, got a win. Both guys got a win. I think the timing makes a lot of sense. So, you know, that would be a kind of probably one Fabian wants to get back as well. Like you know, when guys lose and. Um, when guys lose, like one of their first times in their career, they obviously, you know, ninety nine percent of the time want to get that back and have confidence in their ability to go to go in and win. And it was obviously a split decision as well. So uh, I can't remember exactly, but Fabian, you know, in these situations, normally the fighter who loses loses a split decision thought he won. So yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to put that fight together. Um, the Costello fight, I'd prefer to see. I think. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, so next week we get Kedra. Next week's UFC: uh, Marine Rodriguez and Amanda Limas in the main event. Uh, you know, a good fight. Maybe not a great fight. The undercard is, is not bad. Daniel Rodriguez versus Neil Magny is a fun fight. Uh, Chase Sherman is back. Uh, Tagiru Lembekov is fighting Nate Manis. Grant Dawson against Marco Madsen. I fucking love that fight. That's a very, very interesting fight. Jelton Almeida is back on this card. Um, Shailin is on the card. Jake Hadley is on the card uh, as well. So, you know... You uh, not bad, not bad to be honest. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll have a, the lads that I'm soon will have a preview for that as well. Let's talk about Cage Warriors, Graham. What what a card this is! This is definitely the best card of next weekend. The best Cage Warriors card, I would say, in a, in a good long while. Uh, the uh, the amalgamation of the titles in the main event: Paul Hughes versus Jordan Vucinic. Lots of Irish fighters on the undercard, and lots of very good fighters on the undercard as well. James Sheehan against James. Richardson, Lee Chadwick against Modestus Bukowskis, Mehdi Bin Lakhtar is back, if he wins that one, he could be fighting for the title Chris Bungard is fighting for the title, amazing, I was kind of shocked to see that uh, against uh, your guy George Hardwick coming up here soon so Mehdi wins that, he could be next in line, then we've Caelan Locker and Luke Shanks, we'll get to that in a second, Paddy McCrory against James Webb, Harry Hardwick uh, against Steve Amy, we love that fight fight at night for me is fucking Ryan Shelley against fucking Josh Reed. what a fight that's going to be uh, Oban Elliott is back my guy Oban Adam Shelley is on the card up and down Graham this is a fantastic card isn't it what, what one are you looking forward to the most apart from the main event I suppose I think Reed and Reed and Shelley you know Reed is always in exciting fights um, Shelley's looked great so far I was looking at the odds there Shelley's a, a big favourite you know minus 350 that, that's that's wider than I thought it would be like you know there's a lot of obviously faith in Shelley and he, he's looked really good so far but obviously the the last fight was a bit was a lot controversial in a lot of people's mind and things like that so um, I was surprised to see the the odds so wide like plus 275 and minus 350 that's that's wide so who's who's the minus 350 Shelley is minus 350 is he yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's about right. I think he is very good. Like, I do think it'll be a stand-up fight as well. Like, Shelley's big issue, well, or not his big issue, but an issue for him might be the ground. Uh, I don't think Josh Reed is going to be taking him down. Do you? Do you- Maybe he will, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's definitely like I, I'd be, I'd be probably picking Shelley here, but I, I was surprised to see the odds so wide. You know, he's he's still you know learning his trade. He's still early in his career, and he's he. It's a step up. It's definitely a step up. But obviously, the bookies have a lot of confidence in him, and maybe 
maybe the the people have been betting on him, but uh, I expect him to go in there and win. But I see this being a you know a difficult fight, and, and uh, like this could go either way. Like Reed is definitely dangerous, and you know uh, obviously Shelley is very good on the feet, but. Yeah, this is going to be a real scrap. I'm really looking forward to it. And if Shelly can win, then that's that's a big statement that puts him in a, in a great position in the division. Yeah, Reed is the type of guy as well. Even if let, let's say Shelly's winning the striking medals, Reed won't go. Always away. dangerous. Always All, dangerous. Always dangerous, but won't go away as well. And will be there. You'll have to knock him out for him not to be there. <laughs> you know, some some people get hit with a shot and they kind of maybe back up or they change or they do different things. Josh Reed will just keep at it and keep at it and keep it. One of the toughest guys on the scene, one of the toughest guys in the world of MMA, one of the most entertaining fighters as well. And you know, Ryan Shelley last time out got Matthew Elliott, who is a hard nosed wrestler, and you know, one of the most entertaining fight in the world. God almighty, if this one isn't entertaining, I'd be very shocked. The only way this one isn't entertaining is if it's over in 10 seconds or something like that. And then it'll be entertaining as well, I'm sure. But uh, I was just going to say, oh, there'll probably be an injury. Now I'm fucking after jinxing it with all our fucking injuries. But uh, the, the undercard is very much a Team KF uh, undercard, I suppose. Jeb's Webb on it as well. And uh, and and the brother Shelley, I suppose, yeah. Adam Shelley. What? Paddy McCory versus James yeah. Webb. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of hype uh, locally behind uh, from his gym from for Paddy McCory you know he's uh, he's uh, training partner Joe McCoggan was on the old triangle during the week and you know talking to Joe over the years I've, I've heard him talk about Paddy before and you know people people go looking at him might say oh he's only two and oh he's beating an 0 and one guy and a one and one guy but like apparently he has a lot of ability and you know, James Webb obviously is a very experienced, uh, you know, fought at the, the top level in Cage Warriors. But if if he takes this lightly, which I don't see him doing, you know, he could be he could be in for for trouble here. I mean, I'm I'm really interested to see how Paddy McCarry looks. You know, it's a it's a big step up. Can he can he rise to the level? Sounds like his 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 uh, the people around him in his camp and all are confident he can. So. You know, uh, this is a really interesting one to see see how he looks and and if you could beat James Webb, that'd be absolutely massive to go three and zero with James Webb on your record. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of a nothing to to win here for James Webb. Really, it's a it's a it's a, it's a tough fight to be in. Uh, we saw a similar situation with Joe McCoggan and Peter Queedy, where the records had a bit of a discrepancy and maybe the level of, of opponents they'd, they'd had at that time. But we saw how that fight went as well. So, yeah, I see this being this being. Um, a really interesting fight, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how Macari looks. Yeah, it's a big one for James Webb as, as well, though, because like he was on the verge of the UFC when he was the champion, I suppose, as all cage where champions were. Obviously, he lost, and then, you know, a few injuries, and it's been a tough time over the last while for James Webb. He needs to get back, I suppose, to winning ways and back on a run uh, as well, and, you know, it's a, it's a massive fight for him uh, to kind of take himself to the next level, I suppose, so very interested uh, in that one. You know, a lot, of, a lot of these undercard fights are like that. I think Harry Hardwick versus Steve Amiable, you know, I've a preview with Brad coming out this week over in Sherdog, and we were talking about that one, and, like, that's a, that's could be a fight at night one as well because in that featherweight division we'll talk about obviously the main event in a second but like one or both of those guys in the main event could be going to the UFC and it leaves a spot open like you have an impressive win here uh, if you're Hardwick or Amy Bill you're, you're probably into that spot and like you look at some of the other lads in this undercard as well it's some massive fights from like Sean McCormick coming in fighting Owen Elliott I, th- I think that's a middleweight if I'm not mistaken uh, Oban came up from lightweight to welterweight he was supposed to fight Daniel Skubinski on this I'll be talking to Oban during the during the week for, for uh, severe may all gone well and uh, he's just 
Oban will take anyone at any time and Sean McCormick will obviously do the same take in this fight as well and Adam Shelley to get back to winning ways at 2-2 two and two is massive for him but on, on the main card I suppose um Kenan Lockern against Luke Shanks. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a really, really good fight. <laughs> really interesting, this one. Oh. You know, I love finding out, like, you know, finding out about guys and the jeopardy seem, um, is there. And, you know, he's fighting a guy and Luke Shanks coming off two finishes in a row over Sam Creasy and Josh Reed. You know, obviously he's undefeated himself. Uh, Lockern is, he's looked really, really good recently. There was a few questions about all his early opponents and all that. He's answered all those questions. He, he He's shown he's at, he's at a really good level and, this is a huge fight, you know. Uh, I'm really interested to see how it looks. Luke Shanks is a very difficult opponent, but Caden Lochran has looks to be a very difficult matchup for everybody as well. So, yeah, I'm really interested in this fight. There's some absolutely brilliant fights on this card. Yeah, Caden Lochran, like <laughs> he's a he, he's a guy who talks a lot of shit, and he, so far he has had a few chances to back it up, and he has. But this is a different sort of level. This is you know the former uh, former champion guy who's been fighting around the the top of of the I suppose one twenty five division now up at one thirty five for a long long time. As was on the verge of the UFC. I don't know if many people know that. O- only a few months ago. And uh, he now he's back and he's fighting a guy who's six and zero on the on the come up. So like, how's that going to affect Luke Shanks? Is he going to be taking this as as disrespect? Is he going to be looking this as as a new move uh, in a new division, or is he going to be looking at this as like, ah, I should be in the UFC. I'm fighting. I'm fighting this young lad. I'm just going to make it. Uh, you know, make this look easy. And if if that's the case, uh, probably that's probably a bad idea. But I I don't think it will be. But you know, Luke Shanks is a very well rounded fighter. Fights. Uh, you know, you know, fights. Uh, I suppose a, a smart game plan. A lot of time can wrestle, can strike, can do it all. Whereas Ken Lockern, he can wrestle, he can strike, and do it all as well. But I love his style. He's a very unusual style of striking. He kind of is very. You, you look at one twenty fivers and one thirty fivers, and you think, oh, these guys move, and it's all about athleticism and all of that, uh, and and quickness. Whereas Ken Lockern kind of just stands there in the middle of the cage sometimes and uses his his technical striking to beat guys, which. I really love and now he can move when he needs to move as well but it's a massive step up uh, he doesn't see it that way I know I've seen him on Twitter and um, we, I, I think we'll have an interview with him as well this week uh, and he's a very interesting guy to, to talk to and to listen to as well um, this is a massive fight and if Irish people don't know a lot about Caelan Lochran yet this is if he wins this he's the next guy you know if Paul Hughes wins in the main event the next guy to come through from Ireland is going to be Caelan Lochran or it might be you know Ryan Shelley uh, as well coming through if he beats Josh Reed these are two massive fights uh, and the, the Lochran Shanks fight is ooh, you like if Caelan Lochran wins that he's right in the title mix immediately you know um Dominic Wooding is gone now. Uh, gone to the PFL after losing, uh, and Martin uh, Martignoni is the champion. Like I could see that fight happening. I absolutely could. But uh, very interested. We I talked a bit about maybe Blackter Lee Chadwick. Buskowskis uh, is uh, is an interesting uh, banging fight. James Sheehan, Jamie Richardson, uh, Graham. Um, like James Sheehan, I'm I'm so glad that Cage Warriors are a promotion that see a guy. His improvements, his ability. Don't just look at the record. Don't just look at the early losses and see what he has done in his career and push him. And he's in the co-main event. He's fighting Jamie Richardson, a guy who's really good and been around for a long time. And you know if you beat Jamie Richardson, it means something. You know when you're in a fight with Jamie Richardson in Cage Warriors, it's a big fight. And fair play to Cage Warriors for giving James Sheehan this opportunity to start to push in a big, big fight. And... uh I'm really looking forward to this. It's a very good fight. But James Sheen, Graham, he's been around for a good good while and he's really shown how, how, how good of a fighter he is now. 
Yeah, he's really developed. You know, obviously uh, he went in there and lost his his pro debut, which isn't ide- ideal, and ended up losing to Ian Gary. You know, and we all we all know what Ian Gary's gone on to do. He's he's you know in the UFC looking looking great. Since then, you know, he seems to make James Sheehan seems to made big strides in between each fight. Like even you know between what was it two two months between his his last two fights, you could see the improvements. And, you know, you could see. Uh, or you can hear even when he's talking the confidence in in, uh, in his voice. He's really coming into his own in a lot of ways. And as you said, this is a big step up. This is an experienced guy who's been in there with some of the top guys. Has some has some really good wins like Hack and Foss, Matthew Bonner, people like that. He's beaten. He's gone to decision with companion. Can companion companion? I don't know. I always fucked that up. Uh, you know, he's he's been in there with some really good guys. So this this is definitely a step up. But I think I think James Sheehan. If if he shows the the kind of the strides in between fights that he's that he's shown recently, and there's no reason to think that he, that he won't, that he, he you know, I expect him to get it, go in there and make it very difficult, and hopefully hopefully get the win. But uh, you know, this this could be a fight with with close rounds in it as well. I'm, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if this was a a twenty nine twenty eight either way. But uh, I'd expect she I, I'm expecting she's going to get it done, but. You know, this is definitely a step up in experience and a step up in uh, in quality, and it's always it's always interesting to see how these guys react and how they deal with it, and you know, see them in some adversity and see see the improvements they've made. So this is another fight that I'm really inter- I'm really interested to see a fight with a lot of jeopardy, in my opinion, as well. I know, obviously, uh, that's probably just an Irish thing at the moment, but if she if James keeps making the the improvements between between fights that he has been and keeps growing in confidence, you know. He, he he's definitely a problem for anybody in the division. His style is very difficult to deal with, and his striking is coming into its own now as well. And yeah, just just all around, he's developing very nicely. I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I agree with most of that. There, the only thing I wouldn't agree with is I don't. I actually don't think it's a step up because like he fought Matt Bonner, he's fought Ian Gary. You know, so he, he's already fought lads who are you know. Better than Jamie Richardson, I, I don't think, especially well, Gary. Compared to, uh, kind of compared to his, his you know, his, his since the, the, I, I, the last loss. 100%, but he is, he has the experience against very, very good fighters. And I don't think, he, you know, Jamie Richardson, having fought those lads, I don't think would be, uh, uh, you know, uh, looked at as a mad step up, if you get me, because sometimes just looking at someone as a, as a big step up is a bigger thing. Now, not to say that Jamie Richardson isn't a tough fight, not to say it won't be close. I agree with you. I think this one has, you know, split decision written all over it, maybe, or a, or a, or a close fight anyway. Uh, and I, I think James Sheehan will get it done. Maybe there's a bit of Irish bias there from us, but I believe it. And I, I really believe in his ability. And as you said, the, the improvements between fights are just so evident. You almost couldn't miss them. And, uh, you know, fair play to Team Rhino as well. They're an absolutely great gym, and they don't get enough credit. And uh, you know, James Sheehan's ability here. You uh, that welterweight division as well. I know there was an interim title coming up. What's Reese doing? I think he, he got married, and I think he maybe he, he was carrying an injury, and he wants to go to the UFC and different things as well. So, like, if Reese isn't going to be fighting the winner of that interim title, could that next one be James Sheehan if he gets a win here? I think it could be. There's, you know. Um, uh, the, the Latvian Express lost there recently um, and he was kind of the guy I was talking about being the next guy fighting for the title so maybe James Sheen could, could be the guy to take that spot if he wins here so a massive fight for him maybe he'll need a couple more but uh, a, a huge fight here for uh, for him uh, it's um, Matthias Figlak in the uh, against uh, Jimmy Wallet I think for the interim title isn't it? so that's that's an interesting fight uh, I, I think Figlak versus Sheehan would be a great fight but Jimmy Wallet won't be an easy out there so very interesting um, 
Decky McAleen and also important fight for no, him. No, that fight's off. That fight's off. Unfortunately. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, he's, his hell. opponent got injured, and uh, then Decky they were looking for an opponent, a replacement, and I think he's uh, his gym kind of pulled him out because they were kind of saying, "Here, look, Decky, you're carrying an injury yourself." Probably a blessing in disguise, you know. That your opponent pulled out, so you're you know you're not going to be back in. Which you know is we talked about injuries. It's a smart move, you know. Uh, fight, when your opponent pulls out, it gives you that reason to like look. Wh- why take the chance of someone on short notice while you're carrying an injury? I think it's probably a smart move, especially so. coming off two losses. is an important fight to to get back on yeah. track, and you know coming in against maybe a different style of opponent and carrying an injury, things like that. It definitely definitely is difficult. So yeah, it probably probably was the correct decision in the end by the team and himself. Yeah, without a doubt. So the the the, the main event, uh, Paul Hughes versus Jordan Vucinic. Uh God Almighty, what a fight this is! Obviously, we saw it once before. I, I actually have it written in my notes here. Hold on, let me look at the let me look at the date, December twelfth, twenty twenty. They've both fought twice since. Both fought James Hinden. Both fought Jesus, Morgan Sherry. That was two years ago. It doesn't seem that. <laughs> yeah, long. it doesn't sure. seem it doesn't seem that that long. There's there's a helicopter going behind me. I don't know if anyone can hear it, but anyway. Um, it, it was a very close fight at the time. I remember we were doing a live uh, Zoom, maybe, at the time. It was in the middle of the pandemic, wasn't it? And uh, we were kind of, we were we were watching it as much as we could be while we were drinking cans and talking to people. And I thought at the time Vucinic won, went back and watched it again, and then thought Hughes won, and then watched it the third time. I'm like, well, that was very fucking close. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to watch it again this week to get, a, to get a definitive on it. But I think most people coming out of that thought, you know, Paul Hughes might have done enough, but it was a very close fight. Vucinic ended up winning it, and they have obviously both moved on. I think the best thing that's happened to Paul Hughes, and I spoke to Brad about this, and you'll be able to hear the preview coming out this week, as I said, but, you know, after that fight, even even if I agree, you agree, Graham, everyone out there agrees that, uh, you know, maybe Hughes deserved to win the decision. I was very, very close. It wasn't a robbery by any means. But let's say you're looking at it with the attitude like, oh, I was robbed and, you know, the decision went against me. I should have won it. And you live with that for a while. We you know we've seen that with fighters down through the years that, you know, their, their pinned tweet is still a fight from five years ago where they got beat and they almost won, you know. It's... It, it's it, it can eat you up inside almost, and I think the fact that it's been two years since Hughes had a couple of fights, he's fought that massive fight against Sharia, won a close decision as well. I think that's actually a really good thing, and this is now fresh, and it's a different fight as well. And you don't go in there with maybe like a negative attitude; you're going in there with a positive attitude to win this fight, to you know to get one up in the guy you lost the last time out. I think it, it actually is a massive benefit for Hughes in terms of just himself and his own mentality. Now, not saying necessarily that'll win him the fight or, or anything like that, but I really do think that helps on the fight itself. Like the, I haven't watched the first fight. Like, Hughes' grappling was a really big advantage in that. And, look, Vucinic has definitely upped his game uh, in that realm since that this fight. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Hughes won wrestles more than he did in the first fight. Now, Vucinic did a good job to stop that wrestling after the initial advantage for Hughes. But if he can do that, um, if it'll work is the second part of that, and if it'll be a massive advantage for him. Then we look at the striking. It was very close the first time, you know, Vucinic won the fight because if he's striking, I would say, in that first fight. Is that going to be the same? Is it going to be very, very close? Is one of them going to have something new that's going to make it an advantage for them? It's very, very interesting because you look at both of these lads, like 
Vucinic 9-1, Hughes 8-1, uh, Vucinic 26 years of age, still very, very young. Obviously, Paul Hughes, uh, his age isn't here on Sherdog, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, what, what is he, like 23, 24, 25 maybe, something like that. Uh, very, very young as well. It's it's difficult to know. You talked about their Graham uh, with James Sheehan and with, uh, with other lads as well uh, a while back. It's like, you don't know the changes these guys are making between fights, never mind two years having passed since the last fight. There's a lot of integers that are going to decide this. How do you see it? Yeah, as you said, you know, both guys have developed and both guys have also had a lot of time to think about this fight and the game plan and to, to think about how they would have done things differently. You know, a lot of the time these fights look very similar um, when there's a rematch, but there's been a bit of time and a couple of, a couple of fights in between. So, Maybe maybe we'll see a little bit of a different fight here, and you know uh, they've obviously been watching each other's uh, fights really closely as well, and they had obviously three really close rounds against each other. I'm interested to see, uh, yeah, like you said, if if Paul Hughes is going to kind of go in there and try to to grapple more, and you know, um, I think it would be a good, good plan, even even if the takedowns aren't coming easily, just to just to make uh, Vucenic think about it, you know. Uh, if he can, if he can drain his energy and you know, take the pop out of out of his punches when they are out of his striking when they are on the feet, that could benefit Hughes as well. Hughes is very very fast hands, and he's shown power in the past as well. So, I think this is a really interesting matchup. I'm really interested to see um, see what what adjustments each each guy has made. I think uh, I don't know if this is because I've seen much more of Paul Hughes coming up, but I I think this is kind of. Uh, Paul Hughes's fight. I think he's going to win this, but uh, you know, would I be that surprised if all these rounds are really close again and it goes to you know uh, forty-eight, forty-seven either way? That's probably what we're looking at. But I think Paul Hughes will have enough to get it done. There's been a lot of talk about whoever wins this is probably going to the UFC. I think you know it, uh, either guy, both guys would 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 fit in at the UFC. Could beat a lot of guys in their division, but you know. This is the fight that to get there. Like this is, uh, this is this is the biggest fight they could that Cage Warriors could put on in this division, in my opinion. This is this is a really big fight. I think not just in terms of obviously we're Irish and things like that, but I think in terms of quality and in terms of intrigue and all of that stuff. This is this is this is just a great main event, and I'm really glad it's five rounds. Uh, I don't know really who's hands that will play into i suspect it'll be paul hughes i don't know how you see that but yeah either way i think this is going to be a really really good fight and it's going to be some really close rounds um you know hopefully there's not some controversy at the end hopefully there's a clear winner and you know maybe if if there's a lot of controversy that might stop whoever wins going to the ufc or things like that but yeah i expect I expect fireworks. I expect both guys to have their moments. I expect, uh, I expect a really, really competitive fight here, like we saw in the, in the first fight. And yeah, I expect probably Paul Hughes to come out on on the end of a, a really close decision. That's a, that's a great breakdown, to be honest. I, I have much more to add to this. It's a really, really fun fight. As you said, the five rounds as well. You know, it was only three rounds the first time. That plays a big factor. I'm not sure who that'll benefit, to be honest. You know, Vucinic is no slouch. Vucinic's cardio is fantastic. You know, I, I, I don't think Paul Hughes will have an advantage there. Will he have a disadvantage there? I don't know that either. <laughs> to be honest, we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, there's loads of questions. Like it's, yeah. it's brilliant. I love I love this Jeopardy questions, high level up and comers. Like yeah, this is this is a brilliant card and this is a brilliant main event on the top of the card. One hundred percent. 
could you could definitely argue. I I think it is the biggest rematch in Cage Warriors history. The fact that you know this has been talked about for two years. The fact that there's two belts, uh, you know, the interim belt and 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 the, the belt proper, I suppose. But also, like, is is this the best fight in Cage Warriors history? And I, I I'll tell you, I, I I'll I'll propose why, because two years two of the best guys in the division and they're still in cage wires like usually lads would be gone to the UFC and be signed and you know they'd be away and we'd miss out in that fight and the, the level that they have what they were at that time and now the level they are now after two years of improvement is just is gargantuan and like we know the level that MMA improves on over the years like I don't know have we ever seen guys this good fight each other at this level honestly I, and I really mean that. I know you're always talking about a cram in soccer the best teams ever are the best teams now in MMA that's tenfold like the best fighters ever are the best fighters now and the best up and comers ever are the best up and comers right now and these are two of the best up and comers in the world never mind in just cage wires or anywhere like that this is this is a, a fucking brilliant fight a really really great fight and you know to, to the victor go the spoils and I can't wait for it I really really can't wait for it it's going to be uh, it's going to be fantastic we will leave it there. I'm sure there's so much more to talk about, but we have a Q&A and we have other podcasts to do that. If you have any questions coming out of this, uh, the, actually, a slight announcement, I suppose. The Q&A is moving to Wednesday for the, the foreseeable future. It was Tuesday for a long time. Um, just moving things around a little bit, uh, just to, so things are kind of not cramping up on top of us. Uh, Spencer and Harry are going to have their podcast out on the Tuesday morning for Patreon subscribers and uh, then later on on YouTube uh, from uh, going forward uh for for everyone so we're excited about that uh we'll have you know we'll have a hot topic maybe moving around now more than 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 a set uh before we'll obviously have a speaker's corner very good speaker's corner coming up this thursday graham talking about peds <laughs> i spend a whole like 48 minutes giving a pro pds argument it's actually a really really fun podcast so tune in for that one it's uh, it's really great patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast uh if you're not signed up there now it's it's almost the first of the month maybe by the time some of you are listening to this it'll be the first of the month sign up then if it's a 31st or whatever don't just wait well tomorrow sign up because you'll get charged fucking two fivers and we don't want that from anyone so hold off wait till the first of the month wait till midnight sign up then and uh, get all that lovely beautiful content out to you and we'll have loads of interviews coming up this week loads of cage wires uh loads of uh, Spencer's doing great work over on YouTube as well so loads of stuff coming and if you're listening to this anywhere click that subscribe button you know you want to you'll get it every Sunday Monday whenever it's out um, also this podcast might be a bit later as well in future we're thinking of moving it to maybe later on, on a Sunday evening just to make us uh, make our lives a little bit better and maybe be able to sleep but yeah yeah, you know anyway we, it'll be out uh, and uh, we'll, we'll keep the we'll keep the truck running Graham any final words before we go this is a long podcast very long podcast but uh yeah I yeah, suppose yeah no, it's uh it's it's good to have this cage warrior warriors uh card to look forward to if if some of you listen to this maybe don't really watch anything outside of the ufc or the ufc and bellator and haven't really you know dipped into cage warriors i'd say this is a this is a good card to start and you, you won't be disappointed well you might be you never know what mma know. on paper <laughs> things can look good but you know i'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say no, you know this is a good one to, to hang your hat on 
don't blame me if it goes wrong, but I think this is going to be a really, really good card. What are, I'm really wor- selling it here. You're worse than Arnold Allen as a promoter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a cage. I'm not. A, I'm not here to promote. No, Josh oh, relax Josh over Allen, there. Right. Relax over there, Josh. <laughs> This card won't disappoint, or maybe it will. <laughs> you know, you never know in MMA. You These things happen know. in MMA, but yeah. on paper, this is a phenomenal card. And yeah. as we talked about, there's loads of jeopardy, loads of questions to be answered. So this should be a, a really good, really good one. Oh, I was going to slag you about Liverpool, but we, do you know what? Oh, we, 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 we might leave that till during the week. We might have something special. Going. We won't announce it yet, just in case it, uh, it doesn't happen. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll oh. leave this out for that. Lisa, 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 marching on together. At least, at least, at least we're qualified for the, the, the big fish, the, the knockout, the knockout rounds. Um, and United qualified for for the Europa League how's, next how's, round. How's yeah. Europa League going? It's actually pretty good. It's it's yeah, Garnacho yeah. played the other. I was actually thinking the difference between Liverpool and Man United. <laughs> right, this is the difference between Liverpool and Man United. Garnacho started the other day for Man United. This exciting young winger and like. I was like, oh my God, yes, brilliant. I can't wait to see him. When that happens with Liverpool, it's like, oh no, or we're dead, or oh, we so many injuries, I hate this, it's the worst thing in the world. That's the difference between Man United and Liverpool. We love youth and young players coming through. Liverpool see it as, as a sign of death. Would you, uh, you you're you'd just agree in a different position like. where like going for a Champions League I've always been like that going for quadruples going for quadruples is a oh, how did that work you know, out there's a different different mindset <laughs> yeah it didn't work out very <laughs> well but you know you want to do uh, the small little domestic trophies no great when Man United were winning when Man United were winning uh, provincial cups you you were all you were all over them so um, two, two. Yeah, it's not it's, it's not going well in the provincials you know the Premier League okay. hasn't gone too well but hopefully we can win the Champions League because it looks like we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to need to be in the Champions League next year. <laughs> ah, you want, this fucking, I just fucking rate losing the leads. So, so in your opinion, Klopp has only won one real trophy in seven years. That's not great, is it? Yeah, well, if you, like, you know, it's a really, yeah, no, it's not, it's not great if you look at it just in terms of, in terms of that, like one mm. in seven years. But if you look at Man City and their completely cheated squad, like, you know, their fake sponsorships coming in again, they get caught, front to fair play, they get let off free. You know, it's just, they're paying. They have fake sponsors, so they can pay you a million million a week to a uh, uh, and it's, it's just ridiculous. It's like a if guy. Only he could have bought hundred million. He's playing striker. football manager, and he's editing. He's going into the editor and adding unlimited cash and you know fake sponsors, and it's just a it's a farce. Who 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 had a bigger net spin in the summer, Liverpool or Man City? Man City. No, they didn't. It was Liverpool by a mile. What are no, you talking it about? Wasn't. It wasn't net spend. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It, by an absolute mile, Man City had won the lowest. In terms of just transfers, are you talking yeah. wages that they have to pay and signing on fee they pay <laughs> for Holland? How much time is signing on fee? On fees, will you? I love Liverpool no, fans just changing, changing the debate. In terms of the money, you can't argue that Man City oh, are, yeah. are, are... How much, how much do they cost the rent? I know, you're, I know you're a Man City fan now. Uh, it's ridiculous, years, Graham. It's ridiculous. Liverpool fans have net spin. Right, net spin. You're the one who brought up net spin. I'd never bring up You always bring up net spin. What are you talking about? You're no, I don't. In the fucking uh, like go, money. go back through uh, any, any message from me. You're, I only talk about Nesband when somebody else brings it up. I don't bring up Nesband. I don't care about that stuff as long as it's done legally within the rules of the game. When it's done completely legally, they're found guilty and then they just like, pull their way out of it. What about Van Dyke? Was that done legally? I'm talking about money laundering. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the the the, the, the realism of how you get a transfer done. 
you know, mm. obviously you can try and you know, like sing over instead of debate. But <laughs> I'm dead right though, haven't I? I caught you. No, like I, 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 I did it's catch not. you. If, if, I did if you can look at what Man City are doing and think that that's fair, then I don't know what's wrong with you. It's but, awful, Graham. It's you know, terrible. having constant fake sponsors just to bring in money to be able to pay a million quid a week to yeah, it. Yeah, not, not everyone can pay a hundred million for a yeah, striker. Not, yeah, not everybody can like hack into the to the database yeah. and edit. Oh, hack in their money. Oh, hack into the database. Are we talking about Van Dijk again, or we are we? Do we move on to something else, or what happened there? Oh, what, what database was hacked <laughs> to do with Van Dyke? I can't remember, but remember, didn't they hack into something about Van Dyke? Allegedly, I can't remember. No, did something did no, happen there, no. though, didn't it? No, the, the Van Dyke thing was that uh, Southampton lodged a complaint about yeah. uh, talking about their permission and then removed the complaint soon after. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, did Liverpool get a new doctor yet? Um, it's still the the former academy doctor who's in charge. I don't know what the fuck yeah. is going on there. Ah, they'll Just, probably uh, bounce back when they get a new doctor. Sure, they'll probably probably start. <laughs> well, like the injuries are the injuries is fucking ridiculous. Oh, like uh, uh, also this uh, over thing. the last few years. So hopefully this doctor that comes in will have. Uh, I don't know how much one doctor head uh, doctor is actually you know Gardnerine protein physios there. I think I don't know. I think it's just the. Uh, Obviously, playing sixty odd games last season didn't help, and having a shorter, a shorter break and stuff like and that. And Klopp didn't help. running them a, into the ground, yeah, probably doesn't. Yeah, help Klopp great. running them into the ground obviously doesn't help as well. The squad's getting older. Um, you know, oh, tried, to change the system, tried to change the system, and it didn't really work because Darwin didn't really perform at the start of the season. Then got sent off and banned, and it just, uh, yeah, it just hasn't been working out. But obviously, we've qualified for the. The main uh, knockout stage of the main competition, the big fish, the continental, like these provisional ones are great and all that, but you know everybody knows that the provincial the big fish. Order, so order. hopefully we can go on and lift another Champions League. So that's all I, that's all I've got to cling to at this stage. <laughs> 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 if man, imagine though. It could happen this year. I actually don't think it will, but... Three... Like the Jimmy Traore started for Liverpool and we won the Champions League, so anything No, not, not the Champions League, but I'm saying Man United could finish above Liverpool for two out of the last three seasons. That that must be... That's crazy, like. That's absolutely crazy. Anyway, we'll leave that because we'll, we'll be talking about soccer all week, but... Uh, Yes, indeed. Hard look anyway, Graham. I, I like I feel for you because I, I know I know what it feels like. No, this this, this, uh, this quote I'm about to, this musical quote I'm about to read out is gonna <laughs> has more uh, different relevance now than it right. did before. We leave the podcast there. Thanks for listening, Graham. Give us your quote. When your day is night alone, if you feel like letting go, if you think you've had too much of this life, well hang on. Hang on, don't let I'm surprised you didn't, didn't come in with hold on. Everybody cries and everybody hurts. That's dedicated to all the Liverpool fans who have to watch the league. Watch the <laughs> Sometimes. Right, we leave it there, lads. Thanks everyone for listening. See you all. Good luck.